Well, it's odd today, but we're here, aren't we? There's a famous person who did great things for God, and yet no one knows where God buried Moses. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 33 and 34, Moses is coming to the close of his life. Moses has lived 120 years. Get a load of this, men. If you're 60 years of age, you're just half as old as Moses was when he passed away. Take a deep breath. Everybody wants to go there, shout amen. Wow. I'm, I'm hanging out with the right group of men this morning. The children of Israel, under new leadership, would be led into the promised land. What do you say at the closing days of a ministry or the closing days of your life? God's leaders come and go, but God never changes. God had met God had met this man of God on Mount Sinai where Moses had experienced the glory of God as God had given him those Ten Commandments. Can you only imagine the, the expression inside of Moses when God revealed his glory and he said, I want you to write while I give you the information. And Moses, Moses tabled those Ten Commandments on, on a table of rock as God met him there on Mount Sinai. I can only imagine the days that Moses lived his life, and he all, no doubt he looked in the rearview mirror as many times as you and I looked, wishing he could have one more encounter with the Lord. Maybe not on that mount, but, but on a new mount. But among the final fact, acts of Moses, God had allowed him to see the promised land. God had put Moses on Mount Nebo a high peak where he could see Canaan. We know the story. We know because of his disobedience, Moses was not allowed to go over. You know, if I can remember, and it's Memorial Day, but let me just look in the windshield for just a few moments. When I get to heaven, and if I can remember this, and you pray if it's not God's will, I'll forget it, okay? I'd just like to ask God this question. Moses listened to over 3 million church people grumble as he led them through the wilderness. Every day. And listen, they grumbled because, first of all, they didn't have anything to eat. And God opened the windows of heaven, and he rained down quail. And he rained down manna, and that's like angel food cake. Every day. And he gave them this order, don't gather for tomorrow, or it will spoil. How many knows there's always at least a few party poopers? They just had to find out if God was a man of his word. Let me say this this morning. God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he suffered a long time for people like us. One question I would have of the Lord, you know, uh, uh, you asked Moses one day as, a, as God's family was, was uh, you'd promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, but they'd got lost in the wilderness. They'd taken their eye off of the gold, and they were looking at circumstances instead of Jehovah Jireh, their provider. And they were eating the quail. They were eating the angel food. But how many knows you're going to get a, enough mouthful of angel food cake that you need something to drink? And there was nothing to drink. And they said, yeah, Moses, the menu was good. The quail was awesome. And the angel food cake, the manna was great, but... I'm choking. And God shows up and he says, Moses, strike the rock. And Moses obeyed God and out of the rock flowed rivers of water. You would think the complaining would stop there, but it just continued. It just continued, forgetting the fact that God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. The Bible says you and I are challenged with this, this in our journey of life. We can either look at the 
at the uh, rearview mirror and we can retain the memories that pierce us like a sword or we can do what the Bible encourages us to do. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets us so that we can run the race that God has for us and then he gives us the key that we can do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who went before us. He endured the cross. He despised the shame and today, guess where he's at? He's at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you and me. And not only is he at the right hand of the Father, he's dwelling inside of us. As we look at the days that we're living today, these are peerless times. But, and if we're not very careful, we can get our eyes on our circumstances instead of looking at what God has provided. He's always a, a, a peace in the midst of the storm. Last night as we were watching uh, the television and we were watching the, the circulation of tornadoes, I realized that Carolyn was at the Woods family's home in, in Mustang and I, I texted her quickly when I saw the evidence and I thought, you know, it's my, it's my responsibility to make sure they're watching the news. And, and I said, do the, do the Woods family, do they have a safe room in their new home? It was about five minutes. You know, during that five minutes, you can either win or lose the ball game. My mind was saying, I wonder where they're at. And about five minutes, she texted back. She said, we were in the safe room. We're safe. Everything is well. Then I watched the circulation as it, 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 it got close to Moore, where my brother David lives. He, for some strange reason, whites sometimes don't get it. Can I have an Amen. No, uh, amen. My brother, after the worst tornado that ever pierced the city of Moore, buys a home right in the path. It's been, re it's been restored. It looks great, but it's still in the alley of the tornadoes. In fact, after he moved there and, and a dynamic storm that just missed their home by just a few blocks, a big part of a tree pierced the roof and came in to pay them a visit. Sometimes we just don't get it, do we? <laughs> and sometimes we do get it in a way that we don't want it. Last night, as I listened to the news, I thought, I hope they're in tune. But if they're not, I'm going to warn them there's something coming their way, and I don't want it to be a life-threatening situation. And I, when I dialed David's number, he said, oh, yeah, we got, we got, we got Channel 9 on. I'm telling you, he's going to need a drink of water directly, but he's telling us exactly where these circulations are. And then I watched the one that, that got close to the college, uh, Oklahoma City University, just a few blocks north of where Laddie and Sandy are on the second floor, floor of Cura Care. And I thought, oh, God, we have so many people that are they're invested in our church family, that are invested in our, our, our blood canned. And, and may we always be in, encouraged to make sure that they're at the right place at the right time in order to eliminate the, some, the storms of life that may, they may encounter. Well, guess what? Moses had been chosen of God. Not only had he penned the Ten Commandments today, but he was leading the children of Israel from Egypt bondage. They'd been in, in Egypt bondage for many years. And Pharaoh had finally let them go, and they were on the journey to the promised land, but it wasn't an instantaneous journey. Moses has got to the border of the promise that God has had for him. He was also at the closing days of his ministry. 
are the closing days of life. You know, leaders come and go, but God never changes. And God had met the man of God on Mount Sinai. He's messed up a little bit. He's made some mistakes in the journey of life. Another time as the children of Israel ran out of water again and again, they looked at the, at the leader and said, it's your fault that we're even here. We had it better as a slave under the leadership of Pharaoh than we have by following a fool like you. Here we are, no more water, no more water. What are we going to do now? No more prom- no promised land in sight. And Moses, in a vexed moment, did something that I did and then lived to regret. He hauled off and he smote. God says, strike the just strike, just, just tap. You know, when your blood is flowing, <laughs> we measure taps differently, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Lord says, tap it again. Moses says, I'm going to do more than tap it. I'm going to show them who's in charge. And he smote the rock instead of tapping it. Same result. Only God says, Man was looking on the, on the outward appearance today. But you didn't do what I asked you to do. And you and I know, even though, the, I, even though I honored what you did, you weren't in obedience to what I told you to do. I told you just to tap the rock. And for that disobedience, you will not enter the promised land. I can only, I can only imagine the heartbreak Oh, this man, he wandered in the wilderness with over three million people. I can't, even, I can't even imagine three million people with a promise that God was leading them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet, because circumstances just it wasn't a piece of cake every day. Circumstances were challenging. Life just wasn't perfect because they had not been to their point of destination yet. And even though they weren't at that point, they, they were getting ready to face some more giants in the journey. Moses says, there's a horrible price to pay, Moses. But because you didn't do what I told you to do, and you know, you heard me on Mount Sinai. You heard me early in this journey. I said to tap the rock, and you tapped the rock, and water came gushing, or smite the rock, and the water came gushing. But today, I just wanted you to tap the rock. I didn't want you to receive the glory for what you were doing. I wanted you to obey me because you heard me say what I said, and my word is what I mean for it to be accomplished. I use it to be accomplished. For that reason, Moses, you bring, you bring the, the three million children of Israel to the promised land, but uh, you can't go in. And among the final facts of Moses, God allowed him to see the promised land. And God put Moses on Mount Nebo. God didn't have to do all of this, but he wanted Moses to leave this world knowing that he had had accomplished partway what God had promised, but he wasn't going to enjoy the promise that God had given. God takes him to Mount Nebo, a high peak where he can look over into Canaan. And we know the story. I've just told you because of disobedience, he didn't go in. But today, can I say, we've all had disappointments. What we saw and what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. The challenges that we had didn't come from the outside world. It came from the family of God, the people that, that Moses had trust in, the, the people that, that, that Moses had had represented as he had faced uh, Pharaoh holding this people in bondage. 
But today, he's signing off as a leader because of one disobedient act that God was not planned in. Maybe you're going through a, a disapp- disappointment today. Something you wanted to do or something aspiration you had never came to pass. Remember that when you get through disappointing times, God has an appointment with you. And he wants to say some things for you, to you. He wants to say some things like this. And when I'm for you, who can be against you? He, he wants to say this. I love you unconditionally, even though you may be rejected by people that you really love. And I'm going to just tell you, no weapon formed against you, that is recorded in Isaiah 54 or 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, neither shall any tongue that rise against you be successful. Let me fight the battle. Peace be still. Hold your peace. Easier said than done. I was bragging to Jared this morning in Sunday school class. We're going through the book of James. James is, a, is an awesome thing. It, it deals with our Christian walk with God. It deals with where we're at and what God expects out of us. And, and he, was, he, was, he, he has done an awesome job just bringing a, a few scriptures each Sunday morning to us. But we were covering the fifth chapter of James as we were finishing up this morning. And I told him about what I'd heard on TBN as Chris Hodges was being interviewed this week by by uh, the people that are responsible for TBN. And Chris Hodges said this. He said, I'd rather be effective than to be right. And I, I was pro- I processed, processed that. You know, it doesn't always, you don't always have to be right to be effective. Have you ever walked away from a, a heated discussion and you felt like you'd lost, but you knew if you ever turned loose, it would be devastating? Have you ever been in a situation where you just kept your mouth shut even though you wanted to turn loose with both fists? Have you ever been to the place you were thinking this word, these, these thoughts, if they only knew what I was thinking, they would run for their life. As we look today at the disappointment of a leader, as we look at the, the great responsibility that he had filled, 40 years is a long time when you're hanging out with the same people every day. Thank you, Craig. But listen to me. It doesn't matter what your disappointment may be. It doesn't really matter what your aspiration that you had never came to pass. Remember, when you go through disappointing times, God has not taken his hand off of you. He has not disowned you. He's not here to put you down. He's here to lift you up. He's here to restore you, the fellowship that he has with not only you, but one another. And he says, when a man's ways please the Lord, don't you leave here without remembering this, I'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. And I can read some of your mind this morning. You said, yeah, he'll make it peace. They just leave me and they never show up again. That's real peaceful. Others may not see it that way. Moses never got to the promised land. But in seeing the land, he was reminded of God's great promise. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 explains patience is a part of God's provision for us. 
Interestingly, Moses did not get to go to the promised land when Jesus was, went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. The New Testament says he met with Moses and Elijah on the day of transfiguration. Luke chapter 9, verse 31, if you want to read it afterwards, it says they were talking to Jesus about his departure. Moses did know something about Exodus. He had led over three million people out of Exodus of Pharaoh's keeping. What the law kept out of the promised land, grace brought it in. Because of Moses' sin, the law kept Moses out of the promised land. The Bible says that the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus brings us into the promised land every day. There's some great attributes about the life and the leadership of Moses. God wants you to know that this morning that he hasn't, he hasn't provided just a bed of roses for this life, but he's always made a way where there seems to be no way. And we all as Christians want to die in God's will. When it comes time to go, when it comes time to go, never let it be said what was said over at the ceiling funeral home one day. When there was a gentleman that I had pastored for five years, I knew him well. He had rather be right every time than to be effective. His wife and mother-in-law are walking to the casket to view his body this day. My friend Ronnie Rex was around the corner as they made their march in to view this body whose spirit had passed on. And the mother-in-law says to her daughter, <laughs> he's not going to get his way today, is he? <laughs> Getting a little close, Calvin. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It wasn't in your family. Listen, Moses had been effective in the hour of obedience. To everybody, when Moses smote the rock, man, he was, he was a hero. He, I mean, he was a man. Not in God's eyes, because man looks on the outward appearance. I did a funeral just a few weeks ago. None of that family is in our midst this morning. But I walked off of the stage, and I took my jacket off, and I laid it on the front pew. We had almost 100 people in this center aisle that we had been neighbors to for all of our married life. And I said to the family, I don't want to come to you this morning as a pastor of Elm Grove. I want to come to you as a neighbor boy that, whose farmland where Sherry was born and raised is just a few miles from where y'all call home. And I don't want to come across in a religious way this morning. I just want to come across as a neighbor but there's two roads to travel. There's a right road, and there's a wrong road. There's a way that leads to heaven, and there's a road that leads to hell. And I just need to tell you, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He gives you the invitation to make your decision, and you alone can make that decision. Which road are you going to travel? God is so awesome in His provision. He's always perfect in all of His ways. And He created a place called hell for the devil and his angels. 
And he created a place of, called heaven for those that would travel the right road. Didn't mean you wouldn't pull off once in a while and catch your breath. Didn't mean you might stall out. It just meant just stay with the road no matter how steep the road may get. And I said to that family this morning, there's only two ways to go. And I'm going to walk out of here today knowing that I've heard from God. I didn't want the tie, and I didn't want the coat, and I didn't want to look like your preacher. I want to talk to you like a neighbor would because I have this desire in my heart. When I get to heaven, I want you to be my neighbor. And if you're here today and you are not on the right road, I want to tell you how to get there. I said, Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no spiritual heroes and there's no... There's no failures in the eyes of God. They're just pe- we're just people made up of who we are because of the decisions we make. And can I tell you this? It's not her fault that I'm who I am. And neither is it my fault that she's moving on. I said, I'm going to make an invitation. I'm going to say a sinner's prayer in just a few moments with this family. And I love you. If I didn't love you, I would just read... John 3.16, I would just read the 23rd Psalm, and I would just kind of pass through. But this day seems to be very, very confronting to me. I've stood before this family five times as five people out of this family have gone into eternity. And some I don't know. Maybe you do. It's not them, it's you I want to talk to today because you're still here to make it. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. I'm not here to be your examiner. I'm just telling you there's a right road and a wrong road. Romans 3.23 says, if you're on the wrong road, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says we've all been on the wrong road. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, in and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And his redemptive blood will wash away our sins. Romans 10, 9 says, if you'll think it's over today, and if you'll examine yourself and you're on the wrong road, Romans 10, 9 is the answer to your life dilemma. You can make a U-turn today because God bleeds and U-turns. And you can go get off of the wrong road and get on the right road today. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Which simply means you got on the right road. You're not perfect. I said, I'm going to pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it. Nobody, God doesn't force anybody to get on the right road. You, you choose the road you're traveling. But I can, I can tell you, the God that I serve doesn't send anybody to hell. I had, I had an audience like I'd never seen before. And I said, as I leave this prayer this morning, if you don't want to pray, you want to, you're comfortable of knowing that you've heard the truth. You're on the wrong road, but you just don't have the desire to make a decision. Listen to me. Hear me loud and clear. Think it over before you make a final decision. If you're on the wrong road, you need to acknowledge it. And God will give you the strength to make a U-turn. I said, I want every head to be bowed and I want every eye to be closed. And I'm going to lead this prayer. If you don't want to pray this sinner's prayer with me, you just remain quiet. Nobody's forcing you to. And immediately, two people that were sitting here got up. Everybody was looking. I'm sure there was some counting. Well, you struck out there. You lost two of your congregation. It didn't affect me one bit because what I was speaking is what God had written on the table of my heart. 
Listen, I'd rather tell the people the truth today than to meet them at the gate of eternity and say, Preacher, why didn't you tell me the truth? Why didn't you tell me there was a place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth? Why didn't you tell me that the wages of sin was death? I left there feeling that I had did what God had asked me to do. I led the sinner's prayer. I'm going to close that prayer. Jared had taught me this at his dad's funeral. As I watched many people pray the sinner's prayer, and then he asked, while your heads are still bowed, how many prayed that prayer for the first time? You made it in all your heart, and you're going to get on the right road today, and you did that by praying the sinner's prayer. Many hands went up that morning. I thought, oh, Lord, what, a, what an awesome way to give an invitation. I used Jared's way of dealing with people that are unsaved, people that only have a broken spirit sometimes, and the loss of a loved one. I know this is contrary to seminary teaching. They say, don't ever use a, a, a broken time of a funeral to present a plan of salvation. Listen, folks, some people only come to church when we have a funeral. To close to that prayer, I, I said, let me just ask a simple question. Nobody's looking around. Let me ask a simple question. How many, you prayed that prayer this morning for, with, from your heart. You realize this morning you were on the road, right, wrong road, but today you're just going to lift your hand and say, I prayed that prayer. Thanks for telling me the truth. Five hands in this center row. I wasn't affected by two people that left me. I was affected by five people who said, thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you. Thank you that you told me. There was a crash coming. I had to, there was a detour. There was another way around. And you told me about the right road. Moses had spent 40 years trying to get people on the right road. And yet, look at the closing pages of his life. In a board meeting, God tells Moses this. Moses, you got the results, but there's something in your heart called disobedience. And because you struck the rock when I said to tap the rock, you can't go in. But I'm going to show it to you. I can only imagine the brokenness in Moses' heart when, he, when God took him up to Mount Nebo, which was a much higher peak than the, the, than the promised land. And he said, Moses, this is what I had prepared for you. All you had to do is be obedient and you would have went in. Moses realized he's situation. Moses had lived 120 years. The Bible says his eyes were not dim. He didn't wear glasses. He didn't wear trifogals. He didn't wear bifogals. He didn't even have contact lens at the age of 120. Moses' burial place is unknown today. This memorial season, if you were Close to Mount Nebo, you would never know where God had planted the remains of Moses' life. And most of the time, we should be really glad because certain people, if they knew where that was, they'd have made a shrine and charged you $5 just to get in. Moving on. There was weeping and mourning over those three million, uh, of those three million people as they realized Moses that they'd heard. Come on, we can make it. There's a promise. There's a promise God has given. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. Come on. You may be getting tired of quail and manna, but come on, stay in the race. You're going to make it. 
Moses had never laid the eyes on the scripture, Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses knew, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew God showed up at Mount Sinai. He knew that God had taken him to Mount Nebo so he could at least see the promise that God had made. And it was a promise that was true. Listen to me. If God has made you a promise and your mountain of difficulty seems greater than your promise, let me assure you of one thing. God hasn't turned his back on you. He's put you in a place where you can hear some words of encouragement today. He said, if you'll just wait upon me, Isaiah 40, 31, I'll allow you to mount up with wings as eagles. I'll allow you to run and not be weary. And I'll allow you to walk and not faint. For days and 30 days, the weeping and the, and the wailing of the three million people took place in a valley just across from the promised land. Notice what Moses did before he left. And this is so precious. And Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9 says, Now Joshua, that's a man who would be replacing Moses. Joshua and Caleb had been a buddy of Moses all the way through. Three million people lacking two men. Two men had not complained. They were there and said, Come on, Moses. Don't listen to the belly aching. Come on, Moses. We're here to hold your hand up, Moses. We're praying for you, Moses. Hang in there. The Bible said Moses and, jo and, and the Bible says Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit than the rest of the congregation. I'm sure they had friends. They may have had families. And when you want to keep backing him, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. We had it better in Pharaoh's slave camp than what we're having by following this so-called man of God. I'm fed up with this man of God. Well, have you lost any meals? That's beside the point. Well, have you ever been thirsty? That's beside the point. I know he's got the ability to tap the rock and or smite the rock and the water comes out. That's beside the point. He promised us something we haven't seen yet. And I think we should just, I'll just tell you, let's just have a little board meeting. I think maybe we should just impeach him. I was trying to think of that word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No. God in leadership may not have a multitude that will stand by leadership. But I'm going to tell you something this morning, and I'm going to confess it before our two elders this morning. You've got two elders this morning that's held up the hands of the pastor when the going got rough. Listen to me. I don't care if the person you've helped more than anyone else has stabbed you in the back. That doesn't give you the license to stab back. Oh, come on, come on, there's a, better, there's a better response than that. Just because you stab back doesn't mean that I know it. I'm like Moses. God knows and you know, but nobody else. Have you ever thought this when you made a bad mistake? You felt like all the world knows it. This whole community knows I messed up. I've entertained those thoughts, and one morning I just felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder and says, you're not that important. I thought, this has been a good prayer meeting. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? By lying to us. By getting our attention. By getting our attention on murmuring and complaining. Listen, murmuring and complaining has a, a horrible harvest time. Because you reap what you sow. 
Psalms 105, verse 15 says, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Listen to me. Listen to me. Go to your eldership if you have something. <laughs> if you need some changes made, just go to him. And today I can just tell you, I can say this because there's no rumbling in the mulberry bush at Elm Grove this morning. Isn't that great? Any pastor would enjoy loving on you people today. That's a compliment. You go ahead and smile. That's a compliment. I'm bragging on you. I'm bragging on you. Everybody would enjoy Everybody would enjoy being a pastor to Don and Karen this morning. I'm glad you showed up, buddy. And you brought this sweet lady with you. I'm telling you, it's just awesome. You know, we need to pause and just smell the roses now and then. Even when we're going through challenging moments, it's awesome just to change the fragrance. Everything's not stinking. Reminds me of the gentleman got on the train back when airplanes were obsolete. They hadn't even became focused, and you had to travel by train. And, and this fellow was watching every day. They, they had, they'd brought their snacks along because the train ride didn't have the a car where you could go and eat and have your soft drinks. And uh, inside this little boy's lunch pail, he had some Limburger cheese. Every day about 2.30, this gentleman with the mustache would take uh, his afternoon siesta one day the boy he must have been a white boy he decided he'd enjoy the ride a little more there were just a couple of days from getting off and if the man did wake up and catch him doing this trick uh, he wouldn't have long to endure the pain so he took some of that Limburger cheese and he just rolled the hair right under the nose of that gentleman with Limburger cheese the man comes to the close of his of his afternoon siesta and he he takes two or three. The first smell, he can't believe his eyes. He goes after seconds. That doesn't satisfy curiosity. He has the nerve to go back after three. He said, I'll declare the whole world has turned rotten. <laughs> Frank, I'm not picking on you this morning. I wish I could, draw a, I wish I could uh, grow a mustache. You know, just because I have a bad day, no sign the world's turned rotten. Steve, I, I'm not overlooking you. I tell you, you guys are real men. Just remember the Limburger cheese. I know your wife wouldn't do anything to you like this, but uh, you've got friends. Don't forget it. Yes, that'll cause you to do that too. But as we look at the closing days of Moses' life, I want to highlight something. Moses could have got bitter. God, you're not fair. He could have started doing the very same thing that he had reserved himself from doing. He didn't follow the moral majority of complaining because God said no. You know what he did? He, he called Moses. Joshua called Moses one day and he said, I realize your time is short. I know you're getting ready to replace me. But I want to do something special that I've never done. You've stood by, stood by my side. You haven't followed the curiosity of complaining about my leadership. 
So I just want to, I just feel like I want to position myself for the glory of God to fill my life one more time. And Moses says, where do you want to meet? And Joshua said, you call and I'll meet. And they got together. And Moses says, Joshua, God has so much in store for you. Even though I'm not going to go on in, I want to bless you. I want to anoint you so that you can go in and follow the plan of God. And Moses, knowing he was going to be left behind, created an awesome spirit as he confronted the new leadership that would be taking his place. He wasn't jealous. He was taking responsibility for his own action, but he laid his hand on Moses, and with a grateful heart, he prayed a prayer of impartation upon this awesome man of God that would take the children of Israel on into the Canaan land. Listen to me. I close this morning by saying this. It's not how we start to race, it's how we finish the race. I wish I had the time. I, I wanted, my, my main message was in Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 9, how that Joshua was not ready for the load of leadership. J Moses was very calloused after the years wandering in the wilderness. He had heard it all. He, was, he had gone through the pain and suffering of leadership. And Joshua was stepping in to wear his shoes. But Joshua knew that God was for him. He knew the plan of God superseded what he knew. And Moses blessed him. You read it for yourself as you want, if you want to this afternoon. Go into Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It tells how God blessed Joshua. How he, how he, how he as he crossed the river Jordan. It was out of its banks. It was a very deep river. But in front of them came the Ark of the Covenant. And when the gentleman carrying the Ark stepped their foot into this river, the waters parted. And before they went over to Jordan, Joshua said, let's take a moment and remember what God has done. We're going to take 12 stones. I want each one of you 12 tribes of Israel to pick up a stone. And we're going to build a monument here, right here, where we're crossing the River Jordan today. And the reason we're going to do that, we're going to build another one as we go across Jordan. I want God to rain down upon you people like never before. We're going to build another monument. And even though man may not see it, God will know that we've placed this monument in the bottom of the River Jordan. Joshua said, this is the reason I want you to do it. When your kids that you've raised, that you've poured your heart into, on Memorial Day, they walk up and they say, what do these 12 stones mean? And you can say, oh, this is a monument. This is a headstone of where God met us in a special way. He parted the waters of, of the sea. He parted the waters so we could go over on dry ground. And this is a monument to remind you that what God has said, he will never reverse his word. My question has been to myself, Lord, when my time comes to go, Lord, have I left anything on the bank of the river of life so that my kids would know? Even though I'd made a lot of mistakes, so that my kids would know that Jesus, the creator of life, lived inside of me. He led me. He gave me drink and the, and, the, 
in the famine of my life. He gave me strength and courage to face the challenges that normally would have devastated my life. And he gave me the strength to never quit. I challenge you this morning, let a man examine his own life. Have you left a monument that somebody will say, what does that mean? And those that have known you longer than this person will say, God met that person on this ground. And this is just a monument of what God can do when people will be obedient to his word. In Jesus' name. Bow your head with me this morning. Father, what a joy it is today to realize that you're the creator of life. Lord, don't we go through difficult times? Don't we go through devastating times? Don't we go through times when our heart is broken? Oh, God, many times we've struck back. Many times we've said harsh words. But, Lord, we don't want to end the race today of being known by harsh words. We don't want to end the journey of life of knowing, Lord, you're giving us time and opportunity. Maybe there's just one stone laid there today. But we're still breathing. We still have the ability, Lord. Let us continue to gather the stones of life that we could have stumbled over. But instead, you gave us grace and strength to pick it up and let it be a part of the monument that we will one day be remembered by. Lord, thank you for an awesome church family this morning. Oh, God, the law of liberty in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We're not here to pick one another apart. We're not here to elevate somebody over the other. We're here to elevate the name of Jesus because there's not another name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. Lord, today on this great memorial weekend, Lord, I lift my hands as an act of surrender, Lord. Nobody could do it but you, Lord. You've taken me places I didn't want to go. You've caused me to do things I didn't want to do. And you've gave me joy. Lord, you sp- you've spoken to the troubled times of my life. You spoke healing. You spoke restoration. And today, not only are you, are you the joy and the lifter of our head, you've given us the ability to respond. I cried, holy, holy is your name. And we give all, all the praise to you. All the glory goes to you today, Lord. For everything that's said or done for the glory of God. And thank you, Lord, for the great benefits that you give us because of our obedience to your command. As every head is bowing this morning, let me ask this question. Before Jared comes to take the service. Are you, are you here this morning and Memorial Day just doesn't seem to have strength to minister or touch your life? Maybe you've laid aside your best friend. Maybe you've laid aside uh, uh, your mom a dad, and you, you would love to have had another word, to ask them another question, or you've, you'd love to place your arms around their neck one more time, and you lost that. You lost that opportunity. But today, on this Memorial Weekend, you're going to let the, the Word of God echo through the chambers of your heart this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in God. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
Friend, this life is not all there is. I'm looking forward to being united with those that have gone before. You're here this morning, and if you could, if you could just take a moment today, maybe there's something that just you just can't find the peace. You just can't find the joy of knowing the account was set long ago. I was privileged to pastor this church early. And some of the greatest people I've known have passed on. But I, we had this gentleman that had fought in World War II. And he came to me one day and he said, Pastor, I have migraines in the middle of the night. There was a German soldier that wa- walked around the corner with his, with his weapon in his hand. And he said, I took his life before he took mine. And he said, at, at the midnight hour of my life at times, I wake up and my head is, is literally trying to come off of my shoulders. I just can't forget that time, Pastor. Am I saved or will I go to hell over what I did? I killed that man and I know that I did. I laid my hand on his shoulder and hot tears streamed down my eyes. I called him by name and I said, let me say this to you today. No matter how the enemy may put a price on what you've done that's troubling you the word of God says let not your heart be troubled God wants to speak peace to your heart today and I'm going to release a peace of God as I pray for you and if it continues I want you to let me have the opportunity again because I believe in prayer and I believe the power of prayer will deliver you from migraine headaches I don't recall that he ever came back for that prayer request he may have came back once or twice But before he was laid to rest, he said, Pastor, I'm so glad that God allowed you to walk into my life. I'm so glad that his timing was perfect. I needed you, and you didn't even know how bad I needed you, but you walked into my life at a time when I really needed you. And he allowed me to know something that I would not have known had he not told me. Maybe you're here this morning in your life. There's something you'd you'd like to redo if you could, but you know you can't. But this morning, you'd just say by an uplifted hand, may have made a lot of mistakes, may have made some wrong turns in life. But pastor, I'm gonna reassure myself when I walk out of this congregation, out of this auditorium this morning, that God is for me and not against me. He didn't grade my life on my action and I'm not I'm going to lay aside the fact that I'm known by a mistake that I've made. I'm known as a child of God because His grace is sufficient. And it's made perfect in my weakest hour. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand up and let me know by that uplifted hand you've been ministered to today. That's you. And you want, you want God just to give you peace. Yes, sir. I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand this morning. God knows exactly. Remember, even though it looked like Moses was doing the right thing when he smote the rock, God knew God knew what he had said. Listen to me today. God, God wants you to know that he's speaking today and he's speaking peace over your life. This morning, history is behind us. Victory is ahead of us. Let God confirm his word this morning with signs following. May the peace of God rule in your heart today.